Welcome to the Go All In podcast. This is your reality check with me, Rob Russ. I've got Zoe Ralph with me here this afternoon on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. And Zoe is uh, a client. She's a previous podcast guest. She's a mate of mine. And she's here to talk about all things to do with leadership in these tough times. Zoe, good day. How are you? Fantastico, Mr. Roberto. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's great to have you here. And I've been looking for any excuse to do to have you back on the show because leadership is always one of my favorite topics to discuss. But as the world has gone to hell in a handbasket, I want to get to some really practical, usable tips if we can for all of the businesses out there that are worried about this really uncertain time. And if I could just set the frame here for you and read you into kind of my way of thinking a little bit here on the front end and then get you to comment on a, on a few of those things. So that way the listeners and the viewers can have some really practical and useful tips to take away. So I really believe that in really uncertain times like these, there's four stages that people go through. And once they accept what's going on, they kind of stop everything that they're doing and they're like, oh my God, this is serious. Stage one. Stage two is where am I at? What's actually happening? How can I rationalize what I've got? How do I trim the fat? What's my incoming versus my outgoing? And how do I not die on the vine during this time of crisis? During stage one and stage two, people not really doing anything in business. They're not buying anything. They're not changing anything that they do. But once they get through that pretty quickly, they're looking for the new norm. And what I've established so far in the short space of time that this pandemic has been going is that the new norm is social distancing. And once they understand what the new norm is, then it's time to move in and take some action to do something about that new normal, get your website squared away, whatever it is, then they're moving into that. And that's sort of where I've formulated a, a view of what's happening. And I've, I've kind of been in receipt of that as trying to sell stuff during this time, but also people trying to sell me stuff during this time as well. What, what do you think about it to begin with? I think that's an accurate representation of the different stages. There's an emotional journey that goes with all of that. Uh, and there's a stage that comes after new norm, which is transition. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at 12 to 24 months post the ap apocalyptic lockdown, which is coming. Um, so there's, there's different stages and there's different leadership approaches that need to happen through each of those stages. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to focus in and hone in on that. Maybe Zoe, you could just set the frame for the people that don't know you and just tell us a little bit about your business and your background, if you could. Sure. I'm a leadership expert. I specialize in the people stuff, the tough stuff in leadership. I'm Canadian originally and I've been in Australia for since 1996. Can't do Australian. the maths. Australian. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> what country am I in? I'm in Australia. I was in Canada. Uh, I'm here now. And I've been working with leaders and teams ever since I was 17, so a good long while. I'm kind of like a navigator. I help leaders and teams navigate the rough waters of leadership and give them the skills and abilities and frameworks to chart a course. And I think it never has there been more important time to have leadership skills than now because we are definitely in uncharted waters. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. My clients are mostly practical hands-on uh, industries, so construction and uh, agriculture and uh, service industries and not-for-profits and a whole range of others as well. So now the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. Well, it really depends on your perspective. I was talking to a fellow earlier this morning on another interview and, and his business is completely unaffected because it's all online. Um, and he has a bunch of transactions that, was, that were working for him 
um, anyway, and they were going to happen anyway. And he's sort of like, well, if I win that really big deal, I'll just go and sit on the beach for six months. No big deal. We'll wait it out. Uh, and I, I asked him, what, what are you doing with your staff in times like these as the owner of the business in a small operation with less than 20 people? What does leadership look like for you? And he was sort of like, well, because uh, it was business as usual, he hadn't really done anything to allay anybody's fears. And I'm interested to know from you, what should leadership look like in time of crisis? Is there something in a textbook somewhere or what's your view? <laughs> well, sitting on the beach and ignoring it, putting your head in the sand, thinking that it's BAU, regardless of your business being affected or not, That's one is view. not what to do. <laughs> Definitely do not do that. So uh, absolutely, we need to stump up and start addressing and listening to folks. And there is uncertainty and fear is the main reaction that most people are having. Uh, because we don't know when the shutdown is going to happen. We do know that it will happen. We just don't know when and for how long. What does this mean for affecting businesses and so on? Um, so even, and that, so that, that's the first observation. Uncertainty fear is prevalent regardless of what sector you're in. I think it's a misnomer completely to think you're unaffected. That's horseshit. Um, we are so interconnected globally uh, across businesses and education and uh, community that it is going to affect all of our systems. Um, so I think that's naive to think that. So what should leaders do? First thing is look after yourself. Number one, because everything hangs off our businesses with, when it comes to leadership, we need to be amping up our self-care. We need to be boosting our immune system with everything possible. Stop doing anything to our immune system that's not helpful, like drinking too much wine and coffee. Uh, make sure that we get enough sleep. Get outside while we still can into the sunshine and air. Do more meditation. If you haven't started meditation, start meditation. Um, so some basic self-management anchoring pieces, starting point. Next piece is looking at your team. And first of all, what happens with the uncertainty effect is that people go into what's called an amygdala hijack. So their survival mechanism gets kicked in. Their bodies are flooded with cortisol and adrenaline. And this makes it very difficult for them to focus, pay attention. Their short-term memory gets interfered with. It's very difficult to uh, stay focused on anything. They may become snappy and irritable. I found myself doing that. They may get completely amped up and, and charged up by the situation. So I've had all that experience this week myself. And it's interesting now, oh, look at that, amygdala taking over right now. <laughs> mm. And so I think we need to help people calm down. And we do that by showing up. And the military, as you know, has a saying that calm is contagious. And I like that as an anchoring phrase. So it's like, okay, biohack our way into that state of calm. Breathe, chill, okay, calm down. So helping people address, like let them know that if they're feeling cranky and irritable, it's because their amygdala is there. So just letting them know biochemically they're completely normal and that we can calm, work our way through that. The next thing to do is to start thinking about the lockdown. It is coming. It will be pervasive, um, and it will have it will last between six to eight weeks. So Italy is into at the time of this recording is into just starting their third week, even though it feels like two months that they've been in lockdown. So we've got that. Um, the U.S. has already started. Canada's already started. Uh, France is in it. Um, Korea and China are just coming out. Of that and they've been in it remember from end of January so it's um yeah it's coming so during that time we need to create some structures for people we need to have daily check-ins we need to have a weekly work structure if people are going to be working from home uh, we need to be listening and uh, asking how people are 
The people in our teams who live alone, I'd be most especially concerned about them because they're going to feel the isolation factor even more so. So think about pets and plants for those. Make sure if they, don't, if they can't and don't have a pet, encourage them to get a plant or start a little mini herb garden. So have something to nurture uh, and look after is a way of getting out of our own selfish concerns and being more selfless and outward focusing on others. Um, the other thing to do is to start triaging the situation with your team. Don't think you need to have to come up with all the answers on your own. Uh, we're all in this together globally and your team is too. So the more you can encourage them to come up with ingenious ideas, the better. And there is a sense of camaraderie that occurs when we go through adversity. And you'd know that as a military guy, like the tough training that you do, you know how people bond to get through that. I know that from my outward bound experiences in the outdoors is that when we work through adversity together, the team can hum, the, the sense of intimacy can happen, the connection can build, and that is essentially what we're going to be needing to nurture through the lockdown that's coming. We need, we need leaders like you, and we need that information out there to as many places as possible. Zoe, thank you so much for sharing that. It is unbelievably important. I can't, I can't help but be reminded of a similar experience in my life. I've never lived through a damn pandemic and I never thought I would. You know, I've seen a bit in my time. I've seen war. I've seen loss, suffering, all sorts of things that most people, most people have. Uh, but people often ask, hey, what's it like in a war zone? It's like, well, it's the same as what it is here. It just sucks a little bit more. And one of the things I was doing some writing before for another video that I'm about to record after this, and I was reminded of the feeling um, sitting around uh, with my section commander as he's got a map in front of him and he's pointing with a, a stick and a cigarette out the side of his mouth and telling us where we're going to go, what we're going to do. And I'm looking at my mates kind of sideways going, I mean, I was like at the school of infantry just a couple of months ago and here we are doing it for real with live rounds, live everything. It's like, this is going on. And the, the overwhelming feeling that I had was that every day there's this doom and gloom. And in, in a war zone, it's not that it's that bad. Yeah, there's horrific and horrible things that happen, but you kind of expect it. So it's, that's what you expect to happen there. So it's all right. But you have this overwhelming cloud hanging over you of bad things all the time. And this pandemic feels like that as well. So if you've ever wondered what it feels like to be in a war zone, this is what it feels like. It feels like that there's bad news everywhere coming at you thick and fast all the time, no matter when you turn the TV on, you turn your social media on, there's no escape. And then you turn Netflix on and there's some violent TV show or movie on there. It's like, oh my God, what do I do to get away from this? I love your idea of meditation, a bit of silent reflection like that. That's more important than ever before because that's inner work and it stops all the outer stuff coming at you. But in times of doom and gloom, leaders are forced to make really hard decisions. And that's where the impending doom is always there as a soldier. You feel like you're going to have to make the right, you're going to have to make these decisions at a moment's notice. And God, I just, I wish I listened more in training or, or <laughs> training or something like that. Listen in training for heaven's sake. But here we are on the cusp of financial apocalypse and a complete reorganization and restructure of the way our society works for at least the next two years. How do, how do leaders make hard decisions and how do they is there something then that 
decisions to let people go, to let their livelihoods fall by the wayside, to send them on leave without pay, they're just as bad as decisions that platoon commanders and company commanders and battalion commanders need to make in the military on a battlefield. The comparison, in my view, is exactly the same because you're dealing with people's lives. They're not going to die here in, in, this, in this time, but it's all relative. It feels like you, you might as well die because there's no future for me. There's no hope for me. What am I going to do? And leaders that need to make those decisions, that is a really hard position to be in. So there's a couple of things around that. I think it is an enormous amount of responsibility to shoulder and you can't help feeling responsible for as well as responsible to the people that you lead. And whether it's in wartime or whether it's in business wartime, which is, as you said correctly, is now. uh, To support the leaders, first of all, is the first, uh, first question. And I think this notion of connection is really super important to have a place where you can go and be with other leaders and just go, I'm really struggling right now. Like I'm just so worried about my staff. I'm so worried about our clients. And um, there's, no, there's no magic bullet and prescriptive list of here you go, do these things, it'll be all right. It's not the case. It's, it's a challenge. So having a space where you can do that is really important. And if you don't have one, create one. So I'm creating one for my community. It's going to be called Monday Mojo with Zoe. And it's going to be a place online where people can come and just hang out for an hour. I'm going to test out my new jokes. (laughs) I'm going to learn how to be funny over the next 12 weeks. (laughs) We need some relief, please. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be an opportunity for people to check in, to listen, to share, to vent. And I think if you don't have that in your space, create it. Uh, and be the leader in that space. And that's a way of kind of helping to create the cocoon of some solace for the leaders who have to make the hard choices. How do you actually make those decisions? I, I don't think there's an easy answer to that apart from triaging the crap out of it and seeing if there's no other options. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Second thing, like the government is very well aware of that every decision they make is going to have repercussions across the economy. And there are, they're trying to put as many safety nets as possible in place. So it's about if you're a leader who's going to let somebody go, encouraging people to get to look into those support structures, whether it's through, uh, through government support or different uh, social agencies to not leave them hanging as much as possible. If you can do creative things, like instead of no hours, diminished hours, if you can, um, delay their salaries for eight weeks, then do that. Like try and think of something creative if you can. Um, a lot of businesses are up against the wall and they are facing closure if, and bankruptcy if they don't get income for eight weeks. Um, and that's decisions they need to put in place now is talking to banks, talking to insurance companies and trying to be creative with their suppliers about handling all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, So there is no easy emotional response to this. I don't think you can compartmentalize it. I think you can be compassionate and wise at the same time. So you need to ensure that there will be a business if you can at the end of it and so that you can have people back in it if possible. Um, And I think the other thing from the mental health point of view is just keep checking in with people. Um, And checking in with the staff who are left, if you're laying off some staff but not all, is checking in with them. They need somewhere to, to be heard and listened and felt as well. Yeah, and, and I think it's, um, it's a bit of a two-way street there as well. I think employees and people that work within businesses recognize that the writing's on the wall. 
Um, so support those people around you. You know, that's not what they intend to do or what they want to do. I, I saw earlier today uh, as Qantas parked up all their aeroplanes um, and they laid off almost two thirds of their workforce. Off you go, leave without pay. It's like, it's hard to watch. And the journalist kind of just goes through it like a journo does. They're just doing their thing, reporting it to you. And then they, uh, they cut to the union leader. And the union leader said, hey, in times of crisis like these, we have great support networks in place. So if you think that you're having a hard time or you're, you're going to have a hard time or there's something wrong, tap into those support networks now. So I think doing that early on is key to getting ahead of that curve, right? Uh, absolutely. And I don't, I think I'm encouraging all my leaders to do act now um, because don't wait for the, the shutdown to happen. And a lot of people are still like, what do you mean? We're going to get shut down. I'm like, they, we are going to be corralled indoors uh, for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. So no more gym, no more running outside probably at some stage as well. And it's going to be tough. So get your home equipment sorted, yeah, your home gym equipment sorted. Uh, get some stationary supplies to do homeschooling and craft work with your kids. Um, get educated on some of that stuff. Reach out and to different Facebook groups uh, on how to do things and um, start reaching out and building networks and just tapping into that. Um, I love that you mentioned that there is, in times of crisis, there's already groups in existence that are set up exactly for that. Uh, and there's also mental health agencies that can help as well, Beyond Blue and uh, Lifeline in particular has done a stellar job through the bushfire crisis and they're ready for what's coming as well. Um, so we're all in this community together. And I think for us individually is what we can do also is to help dampen the fear and by putting out positive stories as well. When we see an act of generosity is to share that, um, like they did with the, like this beautiful news story in Italy where the Italians were filmed singing to each other in, through confinement. I mean, that still just makes me sad. Because <clears throat> you were just there. You were just in Italy. We, we went through Italy in January, yeah. And we got through there before the coronavirus nice came timing. through. <laughs> I know. And then we were in Japan and it came through Japan before that. Anyway, we, we've been lucky that way so far. But that, that, that story of like human compassion and support and outreach is so important. And we're going to need that more and more. So if we can share more stories of that, of appreciation, of gratitude, of, kind, of kindness that we're witnessing in others, that's going to help. That's going to help. Even if it doesn't change the condition of somebody getting laid off and facing eight weeks of unpaid leave or more, um, that, that little emotional story can help lift us all up. Uh, so I'd, I'd, that's what I'd also encourage people to do is, is, to, is to think that way. I thought that was a really cool story as well. And yesterday I saw the Trevor Noah version of that. Have you seen that? No. So, you know, Trevor Noah, the, the late night TV show host, he's at quarantined at home in his apartment in New York and he goes out into the balcony and he says, well, like, we're going to do it like we did it in Italy. And he starts singing and he sings like two bars of something and some guy's like, shut the hell up, will ya? Like, oh, <laughs> all right, he goes back inside. And just a little bit of comedy relief like that just kind of reminds you of our humanity. It's like beautifully done and just the way he's, the look on his face. And <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a beat up or not, but it seems real. <laughs> I'm going to let it be real. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't think they've been shut up long enough in New York to get to that stage of saying, shut up. <laughs> so shut the hell up anyway, whoever it is, pandemic or not, that's what it is. Yeah. So 
in in times of of crises like these, and and this for me is not my first crisis. I've I've seen think as my first pandemic, my one and only pandemic. Hopefully, that's what it's going to be in my lifetime anyway. But it's certainly we've we've seen hard times before. We've seen hard times with the GFC financial crises, just things going wrong in business. And you might have, as the viewer and the listener, you might have been part of something that is difficult in business. You might have been made redundant before. You might have been let go before through no fault of your own, just because of a downsize or because of the economy or the status of something. And what I really believe, what you've got to do is you've got to do the best you can with what you have. And don't play the game of what ifs. Play the game of what is. Because if you play the game of what if, you'll go crazy and it creates all sorts of anxiety in your head and it makes you crazy. And really believe for, for me as a leader myself of my organization, of my family, of my audience that I have, I really believe that if you play the game of what is, you will feel a, a much stronger element of control. And when you feel in control, it reduces your anxiety, reduces your fear, and it kind of gets you moving towards something that's actually tangible and doable. I agree with that. And in fact, that's the first stage of thinking about what's next is confront the brutal facts and get play the what is game, you know. So uh, I just ran a webinar earlier today on leadership through coronavirus and ran a little poll, which is how are you responding to the coronavirus? And the options were, it's Armageddon. I have four weeks of supplies. It's all going to hell. And the next one was, I am anxious and aware. I am hand-washing three times and singing happy birthday three times instead of two, just in case. And then there's, I'm curious and cautious. You know, no more handshakes or hugs and elbow bumps are okay. And then the other version is, it's a storm in a teacup. I'm just carrying on as usual. And the point about that is that those are all reactions. They're all stories. They're all valid. They're all, well, they're stories. They're emotional states in response to what is. It's not what is. And I think when we get a really strong handle on what is, do confront the brutal facts, and they are brutal, then we have a chance of starting to ask questions and moving on to the next stage of, of leadership response. And the next stage of leadership response, and I got this from Barry Pogarol, who I interviewed yesterday for my podcast. So that episode will be out week after next, I think. And I said, you're a transformational leadership expert. What do you do after you do this confront brutal reality? And he says, make a stand, make a declaration. I'm like, <laughs> okay, tell me more. And he said, in the United States, when the fathers, the independence, fathers of independence made the declaration of independence, it was like, no more monarchy, no more dictatorship. We are going to do, we're going to do democracy and we're going to elect our own leaders and self-govern. They hadn't been done before, apart from in the Romans in a different version, but that was pretty pioneering. And they didn't have a roadmap for that. They had to like build it. And I thought, yeah, hell yeah, let's make a declaration. What kind of future do we want to create together? Because we're all in this together. This pandemic, more than anything else we've seen, more than world wars, is a unifying common experience across all human beings, all countries, all continents, all hemispheres. We are all being affected by this thing. The getting back to usual is not happening. We have a new usual that is going to be born and we need to craft it deliberately. And so our opportunity right now is to make a declaration of what kind of civilization we want, what kind of systems we're gonna create that are gonna create health and abundance and prosperity for all of us 
so that the gaping hole that we have right now in, uh, in our economy, in our economic system, in capitalism, can get plugged and managed and massaged and so that it's not a catalytic catastrophe like it is going to be right now. So we can, as leaders, collectively redesign all of that. And that's, you can tell, I'm really fired up and excited by this opportunity. So that's the next thing is make a stand. What are you going to stand for? What kind of educational system do you want? What kind of business system do you want? What kind of values are going to drive your next choices as a leader? And let's get onto that. And the next piece after we get excited by our declaration is like, okay, now what? <laughs> How do we implement this? And we need to feel our way through the dark on this one. And we do that by asking really provocative questions. Uh, so asking questions to which we do not have an obvious answer that allows us to stew and cogitate and marinate on it. So some of the ones that I've been looking at, and you talked about, you know, the future is going to be about social distancing. Oh, the future is about social virtual, virtualizing, that's for sure. What does that mean for how we can build trust and intimacy? How do we create a sense of connection if it's just through the camera lens, at least for a short period of time? How will we greet each other in a way that's intentional and full of love? Um, you know, namaste is a beautiful greeting that we could adopt. Mm -hmm. uh, bowing to one another is another beautiful one we could adopt. Yes, the international sign of Nanu Nanu is another great one. Yeah. In, in memory of a great guy. <laughs> that's right. So there's... There's, I think asking provocative questions is going to help pull us out of this what isness shit into the what is next wonderful uh, future that we can create. And it's going to be painful as all hell to get through the next eight to eight weeks in particular. And then the 12 to 24 months as we emerge and create this new normal. Uh, but I think it is ripe with possibility. It is ripe with opportunity and it is ripe with a chance to clean up some of the messes that we've made as, as humans on this planet. So that's, um, that's where I think we're going. It's a, it's a wonderfully optimistic view of somebody you that is, who has kind of caught up with reality. Uh, my pandemic prep ended about six weeks ago um, before this madness happened because I saw it coming and stocked up completely before the mad rush of everything that happened got a couple of months worth of everything that i need and that happened well before anything like is going on now so there's no panic buying from my side and can i ask you a question about that rob so you saw it six weeks happening this is an important leadership to, uh, uh lesson for everyone um what were you doing in order for you to be able to see and project uh i watch a lot of youtube I'm a bit of a news junkie. I see things happening like that. And I saw the first, uh, the first little kind of noises around a guy who thought he saw SARS. And to be honest with you, I'm a bit of a, a doomsday fanatic. Uh, that's, that's the military guy in me, right? Because I grew up reading books about World War II, about Vietnam, about Pol Pot and all the horrendous things of the 20th century. And those sorts of things always fascinated me. And one of the things that I'd never seen was a pandemic. And I'd heard about that. I knew about the 1918 pandemic. I knew about bird flu, swine flu, SARS, MERS. And I just read a lot of books and I knew a lot of that stuff. And the, we, we have come such a long way with SARS and MERS and bird flu in the 1990s and in the, in the 2000s that you think we would be able to stomp it out. But it was happening in November of last year. And then it's progressing. And then that doctor came out and said, hey, I think I've, the SARS thing, maybe like that. 
And then they collared the guy, the cops collared the guy and said, stop it. You're creating social disorder, social discourse. You're doing all of that. And then Chinese New Year happened. And I went, "Uh oh, and that's when I went to the shops. I went to the shops and I, I, I bought a bunch of stuff and I wish I bought 10 times the amount of stuff I bought. Bunnings, Woolies, Coles, Audi, the whole nine yards, grab bags. You know, I'm a survivalist from way back when I said on another podcast, I joked about my favorite book when I was a kid was the SAS Survival Handbook. Um, so, you know, like you growing up in Outward Bound and those types of things, you know how to look after yourself in a camping scenario. In a, if you've got to go bush and what, what am I going to do? You know, I've got a spear gun. I got what I need, some fishing gear here out the front. We'll be okay, you know. Uh, it's it's all right. And and I just people thought I was crazy. Yeah, I think what I'd like to shine a light on uh, in terms of what you did that is a really important leadership skill. One is paying attention to the patterns, and the patterns that you described are all those pandemic patterns that we've seen throughout history. Mm. And so, paying attention to these large scale. Uh, patterns and trends is a, is a critical leadership skill. And then making sense of them is the secondary one. So observing the patterns and then making sense of them and doing predictive work is the work of a futurist thinking skill. And you're right. The more leaders who could have done that back in November slash December could have made choices and interventions now that could, that, so that we could all be better prepared. Mm. Uh, so I don't think you need to be doomsdayer. <laughs> <laughs> necessarily you definitely don't need to be a doomsday like me you don't but looking at the patterns of what's happening and understanding the interconnectivity of everything is is now the most essential skill that we've got as leaders i remember as a child i must have been no more than about 11 maybe 12 years old probably 12 years old like at the very start of high school year seven and i remember hearing the words i'd never heard the words before but the words were mutually assured destruction and that was for the older listeners of this podcast and the viewers of this audience, you would remember those words yeah. and it mutually assured what? And that's what prevented the cold war. If you don't know what that is, please go and Google that because it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it now. And that was fascinating to me that there was a chance in, or there was a time in history or several times in history, in fact, particularly with the Cuban Missile Crisis, where it nearly happened, mm. where it was nearly, the world was like, what? You had your finger on the trigger for, for what? And the reason it didn't happen is because of mutually assured destruction. And it was probably way back then when I had discovered all of that doomsday stuff, and it was fascinating to me. I think the human nature of it, the interaction, the weapons, and all of those, and no surprise they ended up in the military, right? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what did you think was going to happen, mum? I know you're listening and watching, but what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> you could have turned into a spy. Well, maybe you are a spy and this is like a disguise. I couldn't, I couldn't pass the test. It was too hard. I was hopeless at it. <laughs> I'm the blunt instrument of war, the infantry guy on the front line, the grunt. Why <laughs> needs a brain. <laughs> no way. You know, Zoe, I, I was looking at, uh, as we close out this podcast of you, you've caught up to what's happening. You're aware of what's going on. And what I believe is the new norm is social distancing. And this is how we're going to conduct business. This is how we're going to do things. But I think there's one other thing in there that um, maybe you haven't thought of yet, but you, maybe you have, you haven't, you haven't said it. I think collaboration is going to be more important than ever before. And I don't believe that there's no such thing as, as a Robinson Crusoe in this world. You know, I'm not a man on an island by himself. 
I can't get through life by myself. I need other people around me. And I believe that the new economy that we're going to move into in the next two to three years is going to be born out of necessity and it's going to be born out of collaboration through means like this. And to me, that's really exciting because I love nothing more than meeting new people, working with new people, understanding how they do their business and helping them and vice versa. It's like a really empowering thing to do that. And that's a version of coming together. If we can come together and end this podcast on a positive note by bringing our skill sets together collectively and, bring, and pool our collective consciousness, that's what will help us get through this. That's what will help us get on the other side of this pandemic. Oh, I totally agree. And the connection piece is, is essential for the collaboration piece. And I agree with you. Like, I think the sharing of powerful questions, I think the sharing of perspective, I think the sharing of resources, the sharing of uh, tests and ideas is what's going to make all this faster. And we see this globally, what's happening right now in the health community. They're all sharing stuff of what they're trying and testing because they're all... collaborating to if if all of us all of us work on it it will we'll find a solution faster as opposed to just hiving away and we saw different trends with that with open ai say for example and if we release the intelligence of that sort of thing to the world we can we can all grow exponentially more quickly um, that that's the same thing grow exponentially with the common interests that we have so i think you're right collaboration um and it might be it's going to be virtually for at least a little while way along and we may end up finding a new way of working that we prefer Mm. and it may be a lot more uh from home and it might be less in a hubbub of a building kind of thing so i think the coming together piece what that's going to look like from a work and social point of view is an interesting another interesting question to ponder and i agree that we're going to reach out to each other more and more as as days roll by hence this call hence this podcast good on you Yeah, I'm trying to get ahead of that curve and doing a bunch of these. So Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the Goal In Show and and having a little reality check here with me. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? You can find me on my website, zoerouth.com, Z-O-E-R-O-U-T-H.com. I hang out a lot on LinkedIn. That's the other place to connect with me. Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this as a podcast, just take a little peek at your your phone and the links to Zoe's uh, website and to her LinkedIn are right there. So you don't have to go poking around for them. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, just scroll down. They're right there in the show notes as well. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for this show. If you've got a question or comment, just head over to goalin.com.au. Hit on the contact button there and you can send me an email if you like. And right here in YouTube, if you've got a question or comment, just put it below. Zoe and I will see those and we'll respond to those personally. All right. That pretty much wraps it up for this show. Whatever you're doing, make sure you stay safe. Wash your hands. Give me the Spock sign, (laughs) the virtual fist bump. There it is. We'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.